Music with a message on the Messenger of Good News Worldwide, KFUO.org, AM850 here in the St. Louis region. I'm Gary. This is the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our moment on the lighter side. And today we welcome back our favorite fishing and shepherding supply store owner, St. Peter of St. Peter's Hook and Crook. Oh, and don't forget, potato salad supplier as well. Oh, yeah, right. The finest purveyors of potato salad in the St. Louis area. However, St. Peter, if you don't mind, I'd like to catch our listeners up with what we talked about last week. Oh, that sounds like a good idea, Gary. Now, last week we were discussing the vasistas of Jesus' miraculous feeding of the 5,000 as found in the Gospel of John chapter 6. Yeah, that's right, Gary. The vasistas, as you said. Or, or what does this mean? Uh, I mean, we know Jesus fed 5,000 with just a few fish and loaves. But what was the meaning of this miracle? What was he trying to teach the people of his day? And equally as important, what is the meaning of this miracle for us today? Uh, luckily, that question is answered by Jesus himself in the Gospel of John. And don't forget, Peter, you said this miracle personally involved you as well you were going to share with us one of the wisest things you ever said and yet one of the most foolish things you ever thought oh yes you would remember about I, that foolish stuff always do yeah, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes <laughs> well, well we'll get to my personal involvement in the miracle but not today gary uh, today we want to continue to focus on the the boss is not dos <laughs> that is what the miracle doesn't mean that's right. Last week, you said the crowd totally misunderstood the miracle of Jesus. They thought the miracle meant that now Jesus would automatically provide them with all their bodily needs, just like Moses had given their ancestors the manna and the quail from heaven. And so the crowds thought that Jesus would uh, be their bread king. Uh, that's exactly right, Gary. And that's not at all the message Jesus intended to deliver. Now, you know, God does promise to give us our daily bread, but it seldom comes automatically or miraculously. But as we are taught in the book of Genesis, our bread comes to us by the sweat of our brow. Furthermore, you said that Jesus wasn't primarily concerned about their bodily needs at all. What he really wanted to emphasize was how he would provide for their spiritual needs. Not that Jesus isn't concerned about earthly needs, but his primary concern is to answer eternal needs. Which is why he said uh, to this bread-seeking crowd, he said, Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Oh, I, I'm glad you brought up that verse, Gary, because that leads us uh, into the second misunderstanding the crowd had. And what misunderstanding is that, Peter? You know, I, I believe the people understood uh, Jesus was rebuking them when he went on to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. But they did not understand the reason Jesus was rebuking them. They felt embarrassed that they had only been thinking about worldly things Embarrassed that they had thought God might just give them a free handout. Everyone knows it doesn't work that way. God only gives you what you work for and what you earn. You see, instead of hearing Jesus' word about the food that endures to eternal life, they focused on the word labor there. Yeah, so they said to Jesus in verse 28, if you got it there, Gary. Verse 28, let me, you know, my hands aren't working as fast. We said I didn't have to hurry, so that's okay. Um, 
But what must you do to be doing the work of God? I think I see your point, Peter. They thought that Jesus was upset because they wanted to get something for nothing. But what Jesus was really concerned about was they were only focused on what they could get for this life, not on what he could give them for life eternal. Like most people, uh, they thought our relationship with God is all about what works we can do for him. Oh, so you must admit that they got the opinion honestly. After all, the Old Testament seems to be all about people obeying God's commandments. Obey them and God blesses, break them and God punishes. And yet I believe that's a complete misunderstanding of the commandments. God had given them their greatest blessing even before he gave them the commandments, right? He made them a, a nation of great number and freed them from slavery in Egypt long before he gave them his law. The point of the commandments was summarized in the first of them all. He simply wanted them to trust in him above all things. It is interesting, in the Bible, we are called to, to keep the commandments rather than just obey them. So what difference does that make? Well, well obedience is something that, that can be done outwardly. But, but to keep something, it means to treasure it, to hold on to it fast and, and never let go. Which I suppose is why Jesus answered the crowd's question, what must we do to be doing the work of God? By saying, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Now this is certainly a verse worth memorizing and taking to heart. What God always wants from his people is that they simply believe him. Specifically, that they would believe in the one whom he had sent, Jesus Christ. But, but that brings us to a third misunderstanding of the crowd. So what's the third misunderstanding? They were beginning to grasp what Jesus was trying to accomplish through his miracles, particularly the, the feeding of the 5,000, was that people would believe that he was the almighty son of God. But unfortunately, they didn't understand how it is we come to believe. Uh, read their next comment, if you would, Gary. So the crowd said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Can you see, Gary, that the crowd thought faith was some decision or choice they needed to make? If that's so, then it is logical to assume that Jesus needed to give them more evidence so they could believe in him. You know, even I can see that's wrong. Faith does not come from signs, as the author of Hebrews puts it. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And faith certainly isn't something we do. It's a gift of God. That's what it says in Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Oh, you, you know your scriptures well, Gary. And John makes the same point at the end of his gospel. As he writes in the 20th chapter, Jesus said to them, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. But I think he also makes the same point here in, in John chapter 6. How so, Peter? Well, well, think about the crowd's response. Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? <laughs> My God, man, what greater sign could they have wanted? They had just seen him heal all the sick, feed thousands with a few fish and loaves. What, what greater sign could he give them that they might believe in him? But that's the way it is with faith based on signs, isn't it, Peter? You always want one more sign. I really think that, that signs are more things of doubt than they are of faith. 
But if this faith Jesus is talking about does not come from science, where does it come from? How do we believe in the one God sent? That is a question that Jesus answers as we continue our study of John chapter 6. But I think this is a good place to stop for now. Uh, And by the way, Gary, before I hang up, uh, how did you like the potato salad you got from our store the other day? Oh, man, it was excellent. It was so good, Peter. So, so what do you think? Did you prefer the Minnesota red or the Michigan white? You know, it would really be hard to choose between the two. I enjoyed them both very much. Oh, you, you enjoyed them, did you? Yes. Well, well, you know, Gary, you're kind of a public figure and on the radio and everything. Maybe you'd like to help promote our potato salads. You know, your name associated with our product could help with sales. Uh, you know, Peter, my endorsement deals with you haven't always really worked out to my liking. For example, I'm not very happy at, at all with the name's association with your catfish bait. Oh, you mean Stinky Gary Duncan's catfish bait? That's Stinky, comma, Gary Duncan's catfish bait. Oh, I, I, I think I see your concern. <laughs> You know, honestly, I was reluctant to even propose an endorsement deal with a potato salad, yeah. I'm glad you recognized my concerns about my name being used. Well, the problem is, Gary, I I didn't know what we'd name the product. Creamy Gary uh, Duncan's potato salad? Tangy Gary Duncan's potato salad? Mustardy Gary Duncan's potato salad? Personally, my favorite idea was Potato Head Gary's potato salad, but... But that just doesn't slip off the tongue. Like the other endorsement deal you have with us, Dippy Gary Duncan's Sheep Dip. Wait a minute. Again, that's Dippy, comma, Gary Duncan's Sheep Dip. You know, I, I think we should just forget any of these endorsements and stick with the Vasis Das of John 6. Whatever you say, Potato Head. I, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, Gary. Uh, next week, more of what the feeding of the 5,000 means to us. Well, I, I look forward to uh, talking to you again next week, Peter. And uh, thanks again for that potato salad. It was really, really good. But just keep my name off it, okay? We are the messenger of good news worldwide at KFUO.org. You can find our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search out KFUO Radio.